Oh, you so you really like that? When she kissed him, I was like, oh, stop. Yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> I was like, oh, stop. But also the whole Palpatine being alive. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Well, you could, that's the thing. You could, you could see the filmmakers fighting yep. like in, in there because Ryan Johnson killed off Palpatine and then J.J. clearly wanted him back. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. So you can tell there was a little bit of a power struggle between the two of them. I think, well, it's just like, you know, Palpatine and uh, Darth Vader, you know. Power well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, there's a, I'll find <laughs> the link, but, you know, his, uh, I think his, one of the, the original script leaked. And, oh yeah. yeah, it would have been so much better. It would have been so much better. Uh, it's in my opinion. Just what was in it? I don't, I don't think I huh? even remember what was in it. What was what was? I remember. About? I, I I have to send it to you. I have to send it to you. But it just a lot more things make sense. Like this whole little source power. Like all of a sudden they're like sucking energy out of each other and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Well, a little bit of the, the origination of that is explained. But also, um, she's not. She's not. Um, Palpatine's granddaughter. She's just, you know, it's like the Force. Yeah. You don't have to be a Skywalker to, yeah. to have the Force. You know, she's just, she's some, you know, you know, it's some just lady. a little bit she's more some lady coherent. from space. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, Rich, do you celebrate May the Fourth? Are you big? Are you a big uh, Star Wars guy? No, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with it all. I've, I've gotcha. seen, I've seen all the movies, you know, it. at least twice. But yeah, uh, no, I'm not right. that crazy about it. Gotcha. I mean, what, how would you celebrate other than by watching? I guess movies? watching, yeah, is the one thing you could do. You could dress up. You can do. You could, I was curious if you did, if you had any suggestions. Oh no, no, I'm uh, I'm old and boring. I guess. Find a yeah, Star Wars we don't know, gear. man. You might have a you might have like a Darth Vader costume yeah. in the closet, and tomorrow you could just sit around so and out. Phoebe's like, oh god, it's the fourth again. <laughs> it's. I mean, the thing is, there's a fourth of every month. So uh, I usually practice for May the 4th, uh, the other 11 fourths of the year. Hey, everyone. It's time for a taste of liquid bread. I'm Maddie Smith, and with me are my buddy, Larry Bates. Hey, what's happening? What's happening? And Master Cicerone, Papa Pilsner, Rich Higgins. Hey. <laughs> wow. You slayed me with that one. Really? I, you I, like I, Papa I, Pilsner? I, I had Papa something smarter Pilsner. to say. But... <laughs> Senior Stout. Oh, that's a good one, too. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> Cheers. Today we've got a very special episode. Today, Larry and I are going to pitch Rich uh, a couple of our uh, brewery ideas because uh, Rich, you know, definitely knows the business very well from top to bottom. And I thought it would be really fun to, you know, get his thoughts and, and and talk about it. And I think we'll touch upon trends and styles and all sorts of little pieces that go into making a brewery. Uh, but first, I want to talk about one thing, Rich, uh, with you. And I don't, we haven't talked about it before, so I don't know what your expertise is on this subject. But it's kind of something I've been reading about. I found out about it pretty recently. And that's the drink Kvass. K-V-A-S-S. Do you know Kvass? Uh, not real well. Is it short for Kvassier? Uh, no. <laughs> it is not. That is a joke. It uh, is a good joke. I hope that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> it was a joke. It was a pretty bad joke. Uh, it's uh, Yeah, it's like a fermented uh, milk beverage, right? Like bubbly, sparkling, slightly alcoholic milk. Not even milk. No, I don't think there's yeah. any milk. From whatever I read, it's oh. uh, I, I, well, in a way, it's the true liquid bread because apparently it's a okay. fermented, non-alcoholic drink. It has very low. I think it does end up with a little bit of alcoholic yeah. content, like, but not enough to be alcoholic or whatever. Like, it's I've seen it described as kind of a sweet, non-alcoholic beer. And mm-hmm. I guess the main steps are: you typically you take rye or a darker bread, you heavily toast the bread, you throw it in some water that's been boiled, you maybe add some raisins. And you kind of just let the bread soak and ferment in this water for a couple days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. After a little while, you add sugar and yeast. 
And apparently this drink is very popular. It's like a Russian, Ukraine, yeah, Ukraine Russian. and Russia. Mm-hmm. They say it tastes great and they say it's very refreshing. And I'm, you know, sitting around in this quarantine, I'm getting closer and closer to uh, <laughs> soaking some bread and water and seeing if that tastes good. Well, I think I'm thinking of kefir, which is, I think, of just a little fermented milk beverage. Gotcha. Um, but kva, I learned about kefir, kefir and kvass pretty much the same time when Phoebe came back from Russia. She was a, she studied Russian in college. Oh. So. So she might, uh, she might have had it. She spent some time there. Yeah, she she should. Uh, she's the resident expert on that, I guess. But um, you know, it comes back to the the legend. You know, we were talking yeah, about this. Yeah, it reminded me of your story. Yeah, yeah, about how if you let your like loaves of bread get wet and moldy, you know, and then wring them out like sponges, what comes out is you know some sort of liquidy, grainy stuff that is slightly mm. fermentable, um, and that's the basis of bread. I don't know. There's still something confusing about it to me because. To get bread, well, here's the deal. I'm, when I think of bread, I think of something that's like leavened, right? You know, so it had a fermentation. It's spongy. Yeah. It has a lot of air in it or carbon dioxide bubbles, you know. Oh, you do add um, yeast. You do add yeast right. like a little bit into the process after it's after it's been soaking, that delicious bread soak. Sure. Well, well, here's the thing, though. So to make bread, before you make the second fermentation byproduct from that bread, the bread itself, just, you know, mm. dough ends up getting yeast in there and ferments and when you when you bake it you end up killing the yeast but the process the yeast that's in there that's fermenting has consumed a lot of the the fermentable starches and sugars that are in your dough and so what you're left with looks like a loaf of bread tastes like a loaf of bread it's good to eat but there's still you know there's a lot of locked up energy in that starch that you can't really ferment that easily like the the yeast that was in the dough in the first place fermented what it could mm-hmm. um, that it has calories at all and is useful for human nutrition means that there still is some sort of fermentable carbohydrate in there however the yeast didn't get to it the first time around because it's too complex a carbohydrate mm-hmm. and then to ferment to, to be able to wring out this bread you know get it all wet and then wring it out um, to make it into kvass or ancient egyptian you know beer or uh shoot what do they call it uh I can't remember the name of this thing. My buddy won a gold medal at GABF the first time. This was a, a, a category at GABF. Anyway, um, oh, hect, H-E-K-T, hect. Um, yeah, anyway, so that stuff, uh, I don't know what the yeast is able to ferment. The sugars, the, the starches are really, uh, you know, they're complex. And so they're hard to, they're hard for yeast to ferment. Uh, and so if you're adding raisins or sugar to your kvass, that adds simple sugars, obviously, mm. the that could be fermented, but I don't know how you get any sort of fermentation from the, the starches that are yeah. in that bread, but obviously it, it happens. It yeah, works, people right? make it. They li- and people so. really seem to like it a lot. I baked before this, but like everyone else, I've been baking a lot more bread just while we've not want to shop, not been shopping at the store as much and doing that. And mm. I've had a lot of, you know, a lot of leftover bread and I've, I saw it as a suggestion for what to do with stale bread. And I don't think that's what, that's not typically the uh, approach. I don't think it's, usually meant it's not like one of those things that came from stale bread like we have at leftover stale bread let's make it into something but uh seems like mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing to do and something that you know if you want to make a weird drink at home that a lot of people haven't heard of try making some kvass and and this and this, <laughs> kef- and this kefir is what fermented milk yeah yeah it's and it's like i mean yogurt is fermented milk and cream yeah. and you know yeah. butter is cultured and sour cream so it's basically like a thinner version of of something like that huh. got it got it okay and so it's like, more drinkable and, and, larry if i if i made some uh kvass would you if i dropped it off would you drink it uh, oh if god, i soaked bread in water and dropped it off at your oh front door I, I, um, and stayed six feet away Maddie, I, let's 
I don't know if I could say I will drink it. <laughs> I may let a little bit of it touch my tongue. I'll right, give it a taste. Yeah, but I, 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 I I'm can't, confident. I can't, I'm confident you'll fall in love. <laughs> oh, oh, Larry, uh, it's nice. It was nice knowing you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. Oh boy, I'm drinking. I'm drinking my pilsner right now. Where are you drinking a pilsner from? Urkel. It's Urkel. Brewed in pilsner. The classic. The original pilsner. The OG. The OG. What's going on to the sweetness and the bitterness, huh? Um, since we last talked, the sweetness, you know, a positive story, a positive beer and or drinking experience, and the bitterness, a not so positive beer or drinking story. So, uh, who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Great. I got some stuff. A uh, couple things I'm I'm pretty sweet on right now. I'm pretty stoked. So I live in Montana, and um, our coronavirus cases are uh, pretty much at. Um, I mean, new cases are at, like zero. It's it's pretty Great. good. We got um, one hospitalization in the county right now. Uh, are they, which so is all, are they pretty locked down in, in Montana? Well, we have been. Okay. Yeah, it's been like six weeks of yeah. of okay. you know stay at home and all that, which has been a drag. But it seems to be paying off, and uh, yeah, our case case numbers are way down, and so things are starting to open up. We're in phase one of opening up, and uh, we had uh, you know like coffee shops and um, you know hairdressers and folks open up last week, and then starting tomorrow, restaurants and breweries and and uh, I don't know about oh, bars, wow. but at least rest- you guys are there. restaurants and breweries can open up at at half capacity. Awesome, you know you got to maintain social distancing and all that stuff, but, um, but that's pretty awesome. So I'm so incredibly excited about that. And yeah, I am I sure, sure the breweries are even more excited. So um, yeah. Where are you guys with that? Any, any luck in, in LA said, or in California? I think last I saw it was, it's pretty positive. I mean, obviously like LA it's densely populated and it's going right. to, I think it's going to take a longer time, but May 15th was their target date. And last right. I saw, they were saying that they might, they can start, you know, slow rolling stuff out, but obviously they left that vague. So I think it's going to be a right. wait and see thing where next we're like the 13th or what, you know, the week of the 15th, they might check where things are. And I, I'm, I'm expecting sure. like, I'm expecting a few things to open up or start, you know, or just a very slow version. Restaurants, I, I think are a ways away. You know, yeah. it okay. feels like those would be yeah. at least a couple weeks later, but that even seems premature. But that said, from what I've seen, they've done a pretty good job. They've done a pretty good job curving it. Okay. With all those protests down in Huntington Beach, though. Yeah, down in Huntington Beach, they got people out in the streets yeah. and stuff. So yeah. I'm, I'm afraid to see what, you know, we'll see what the uh, the effects of those are, especially in a couple yeah. of weeks. Uh, that's, that's Orange County. It's a different place, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, th- um, I think the bummer is that it's because we're, like, right next to them, though. You know, like, we're, yeah. you know, Larry and I are, like, locked in our little yeah. cages mm-hmm. right now. Oh, totally, God. you know, unable to do anything. And meanwhile, there's, like people just like rubbing up against each other all over, <laughs> like not far away. So it's the, the, the bump and uglies protest. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully this is not in vain oh what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, geez. Well, well, I wish you guys luck. Obviously I wish, you know, everyone in the entire world yeah, luck. It's a tricky situation. On all this stuff. Have you guys, uh, speaking of the thing, have you, not to jump on your sweetness, but have you guys tried any altogether beer? I haven't seen any yet. Any, uh, no, no, I haven't seen any out here in, uh, in Bozeman yet. Any what? The altogether beer. That beer that was uh that like other half did that basically the beer that like has been shared between a bunch of breweries to raise oh, got raise it, money got for it, charity. I I know like Highland Park in, in LA is doing it, I just haven't picked it up. No, I haven't. No, I haven't I haven't seen it. Though I am see I am currently drinking a beer, uh and I'm noticing my coaster is the uh, resilience uh beer coaster, which oh. was a sort of a shared recipe open source thing where every 
uh, brewery that brewed it, um, a bunch of the proceeds went to the uh, the crazy Butte County, California wildfires. Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, these, these sort of like fundraising um, collaboration, uh, uh, you know, basically shared recipe things and shared brand things um, have been going around for a couple of years now, yeah. and uh, hopefully, yeah. I mean, I hate the that all these bad things keep happening, but hopefully beer can help, uh, you know, yeah. bridge, uh, bridge the gap a little bit. And I also love that they're kind of perfectly positioned to do something that both does help out, but at the same time, it does bring attention to the breweries and it is good advertising. And that's the kind of advertising I'm all for yeah. if they're participating. Well, it's the win-win, you know? uh, so sorry, Rich, you, yeah. were, you were on your, you were on your sweetness. Things are opening up again. Well, yeah. So, so these breweries are starting to sort of trickle open, um, starting tomorrow, which I'm just so excited about. I know it sounds selfish. It's, I think like all my sweetnesses and bitternesses so far have been like, oh, I, you know, this, the bitterness was I couldn't get this beer or this brewery was, was closed. And sweetness is that, you know, I found the beer or whatever. But uh, <laughs> there's sort of a theme in my life, unfortunately. But anyway, so uh, yeah, so my bitterness right now is that I can't go tomorrow. Like I'm dying to just go to these breweries and just mm-hmm. support them. You know, it's selfish because I want to have, you know, a good time drinking some beer in, in, you know, these places other than my house my apartment um but i can't go tomorrow so uh i'm pissed i've got a really busy work day and then i got stuff going on at night so i'm i'm i can't be the first in line i want to like you know want to knock on that door and get in at you know 11 in the morning or whatever and help help support these things but i gotta wait so i'm sort of champing at the bit yeah that's my that's my bitterness my sweetness of the week um how about you guys i mean I'll, i'll go i mean my my um my bitterness is has kind of been the same which is running out, running out of beer and uh, sitting in the house trying to figure out what am I going to do to replenish what I had? And um, well, Larry, you're not, you're not beer. You're not like only beer, right? You, you drink. Oh you drink no. Like, bourbon. Oh no. I got, I mean, I, I drink, I drink everything. I mean, do you drink, do you guys drink wine much? Yeah. Yeah. We, well, have, tons, Meg, yeah. we have tons of wine here. Yeah. Yeah, Megan's big. Megan used to write for like Wine Spectator and stuff, so she's big on wine. Oh wow! And, um, I didn't oh, know cool. That. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she she's huge on wine. So it's I bring the beer, she brings the wine, and it uh-huh. finds nice. a nice medium it. usually. When we're... Yeah, we've we've got a couple of wine memberships, so we get wine <clears> delivered, and you know I got plenty of wine here. Rachel drinks more wine than I do. I I I tend to leave her wine alone, you know, because <clears> I drink stuff up really fast. So I I, I usually have <laughs> wine when she's having wine. Uh-huh. I'm having mezcal, tequila, love gin, some bourbon, um, some mezcal from Mexico City. Nice. Yeah. So I got stuff here, but just the beer, you know, running out of the beer. So yeah. anyway, so anyway, that was the bitterness. And I'd say the sweetness was going, hmm, what are we going to do this time? And uh, no, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what the real sweetness was. I started this, uh, this poker night with a bunch of friends from... Um, my alma mater. And it was just really dope chilling, zooming with On everybody Zoom. nice, and playing poker and drinking, uh, drinking a really Did tasty gamble? adult beverage. I mean, we didn't That's gamble cool. with real, we didn't gamble with real money, but what's cool about it is, you know, it's, it's a bunch of us from all different, like, you know, years yeah. and so forth. So over like the span of four years and, you know, like since we all like have been out in LA or wherever, you know, people's lives have just kind of changed. So it's just great to catch up with everybody. That's cool. But how I'm confused though. So how do you play poker? Oh, good though? Point. I mean, like, this is, this, yeah, this is you all have your own cheating. deck of cards. 
you all have your own deck of cards and everyone gets, you know, five aces every time? No, it's it's um poker poker stars that Oh, name? it's an online game. Okay. Yeah, it's an online game. So uh, I was I had the same thought, yeah. Rich. I was like, yeah, you yeah. just no, pull your hand off pull your hand off camera and it's, no, it's online. It it's it's online. You're at the you're at the same table and then you know it's not different it's not too different than Jackbox TV that we play. Yeah. Maddie, it's just you know, it's you're you're playing online, but then we're sitting there zooming and talking to each other. That too. makes sense. And you're all dealing from the same virtual deck. You don't each exactly. have your own like, exactly. exactly actual deck at exactly. home. Exactly. No, that would be that would be weird. that would be kind <laughs> that of would be that would be hilarious. All right, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I'll do. I'll start with my sweetness. Um, basically, Megan and I have been looking for ways to get out while staying safe. I've been getting you know a little antsy at home, as nice <laughs> as the weather has been in LA. Uh, so we ended up cruising down to the San Diego area for a day trip last week. Uh, we walked on the beach down in Carlsbad, where my family is. Um, we didn't you know, see anybody or anything like that. We were very safe. Uh, but also what we did, we drove down and we picked up beer from two of my favorite breweries. Um, and so, I was excited to do that. We went to Fall Brewing, which is down in like the North Park neighborhood, which I love. And they were yeah. doing a... Um, right now they're doing, I think it's it was $30 for a case of 24 beers. Oh, wow. uh, which cool. is a pretty good deal. So I'm drinking that right now. The Plenty for L Pilsner, which is one of my favorites. And then we also stopped at another one of my favorite breweries down there, which is Pure Project. And uh, we picked up what, yeah, I know Larry and I have been there together. Uh, uh, they have a they have a Flanders Red, which I've said before is my favorite kind of beer. And it's called, I guess it's called Ruse Red because it's I'm, pronounc- I'm pronouncing it correctly now. Ruse, R-O-E-S, kind of like a play on Rose Red, but it's a delicious beer. So it was nice to get out of the house and drive down. It was a couple hours drive, but... Not bad, considering we've been sitting around the house uh, and picking up some good beer, supporting them. That's cool. Yeah. Then my bitterness was the other day. Um, now, this is like a pet peeve of mine is like half measures with food. Like, I'm kind of like, if you're going to get it, get it, you know? And that kind of goes for like, there's like, you know, diet, like chips and stuff like that, that like don't taste uh-huh. as good. So I'm always like, well, don't either get it or don't have it. But like the halfway point is never that nutritious and it never is satisfying. <laughs> And I kind of felt that way about my first try of a hop tea. I had a hopped tea, like a nice tea that uh, was made with hops. So it had like a hop flavor. Yeah, yeah. And I just, you know, personally, you know, I know there are people that might like it. Me, no thanks. Uh, it just it just tastes, <laughs> well, because it just tastes like I enjoy iced tea. It's kind of my go-to non-alcoholic beverage a lot of time at restaurants. Mm, yeah. And I like a, a really like nice iced tea. And then if I want hop flavor, I like a beer, but this just felt like a lesser version of both those things. And so I was, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I finally tasted it and it's a no-go for me on uh, the hops and it was, tea. And, and, and you're drinking it cold. So it's, yes. it's, it's, ice, cold. it's ice cold. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It was cold. I well, I think up. you might not be the market for, for this sort That's of thing true. because That's very you're true. not totally addicted to hops, right? You know, like right. you never list IPA as like your favorite type that of beer. That is very true. So, but if you got like serious hop proclivities, <laughs> then uh, yeah, this yeah, this, I'm sure it's a healthier there, there are a lot of and... a lot of beverages that are being dry hopped now, so yeah. that'll get uh, lots of hop aroma in there without much hop bitterness, and um, that's yeah. sort of an exciting uh, trend for for other beverages. Where did you Where did you get this from, Maddie? Uh, I think I got from? it at Whole Foods. I think I just got it at the grocery store. Interesting. A few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Try it out. It's it, it was interesting. Like I've been I've been curious and heard heard about them, but I just like nah. I'll just drink an iced tea. <laughs> Although I was also, another thing that I was, I don't know if this is a bitterness or a sweetness, but I just found out a few weeks ago, they've been bringing in Hetty Topper into the LA area mm-hmm. from Alchemist, which is, you know, one of the, one of the beers that I've not had yet. That's one of the bigger, bigger ones. Rich, I'm sure you've had Hetty Topper. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I have had it. Yeah. It's, 
delicious beer for sure. I'm going to make it my goal before next time we talk to get a hold of, of some of that just to try it for the first time. That's cool. I've got I've got a buddy that uh, he's got some in-laws from Vermont, so he'll oh, go out great. there once a year. And he uh, always comes back to – he's from San Francisco – or lives in San Francisco. When I was there, he'd always hook me up with – you know, he'd like bring a case back. It was so much beer. <laughs> And he doesn't really drink a lot of IPAs, and he basically would just like save them for every time I would come over. So he and I would drink Heady Topper together, and you know it would just like get older and older and older. So it was like fantastic right when he brought it back. Uh, but then we'd continue to drink it like six, nine months later. It's definitely a beer you want to drink fresh because uh, you know there's so many incredibly like you know beautiful hop aromas, and that they're fleeting, right? You know they yeah. don't stick around that long. So I'm probably one of the few people in this country that's. Um, had both fresh heady topper as well as a progression of cellared heady topper. Oh, wow. Look at, you. <laughs> <laughs> at times I am reminded how fortunate I am to be in a, in a place where you can get a lot of these beers that are like harder mm. to harder to find elsewhere. Like that was like when I drove, when I first went to the Russian river brewing up in uh, Santa Rosa, mm. I remember there was a family there loading up the back of a minivan, the trunk, <laughs> like just like four boxes high of Pliny, awesome. Pliny the Elder. Like they clearly oh road tripped out there and we're just stacking and just mm-hmm. literally filling an entire minivan trunk just with Pliny the Elder. And I was like, oh, I'm so lucky that I can just go oh my goodness. down oh my a few blocks away from me. They usually have it. Well, the trade-off is that you are, you know, you're in a big market for beer and yeah. for pretty much anything. But at the same time, you have a really, you know, high population pressure too. I'm not trying to get on a high horse about Montana here, but you know, like I have a much harder time finding beer, but uh, you know, starting tomorrow, we're sort of getting out of the woods on, uh, on coronavirus stuff. Oh, you brought this so, around with the virus. Yeah, yeah. You turn that on us. <laughs> a dense population gets it. So you can drink, <laughs> drink any beer you want until, until but enjoy the lockdown losers. I get yeah. it, Rich. All right. Um, so uh, let's, let's get into it. Let's get into the main segment. What we did was I I gave Larry this assignment and myself this assignment. And this comes from last week when you were asked about your your signature beer. Like you clearly the Yeah, the white yeah, the, the big Lebowski yeah. mm-hmm. white Prussian. You you brought in, you know, the the trends and the business side of it, you know, what's selling, like that sort of stuff, which is obviously important mm-hmm. and what someone has to think of when they're putting together a brewery. So Larry and I, we we got the details I, I said to put together, and obviously there's probably gonna be more to it. Uh were a brewery name, the location the logo and design aesthetic of the brewery and a signature beer. Uh, so Larry, why don't we start with you? All right. We can start with me, but here's the thing, man. Yeah. I did, uh, I did 10 signature beers. Nice. Let's do them all. It's just what it is, man. It's just what it is. Listen, <laughs> and, um, and, and Rich, you can, uh, you know, sometimes I'm kind of specific. Sometimes I'm kind of general. I'd love to know. I'd love for you to, you to, you to help me out and, and work it out for me. Okay. All right, sure. I'll uh, I'll see what I can do here. I'm excited. So the the name of the place is called the Beers. Okay, the Beers. It's a it's a obviously it's a play on the Bears. Um, It's located in. (laughs) It's located in a gutter. You you didn't know that. I didn't get it at first. I I, I, I just went German. I get it. The Bears. The Beers. Okay. The Beers. (laughs) Exactly. So it's located. Ideally, it'd be, I mean, it's in Chicago, obviously, but ideally it'd be located in the loop in like a gutted out warehouse or something. Okay. Okay. Now, um, the logo would be the classic Chicago bear C, the orange C, and instead of that bear in the middle, we'll have a nice frosty mug of beer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Colors are orange and blue, obviously, everywhere. Um, uh, uh, 
plenty of, so here's, here's what it is. It's going to be a combo of a craft brewery, um, a market, and a sports bar. Now, when I say a market, I mean similar to like, uh, like Grand Central Market in LA, like that timeout market in New York, Chelsea Market, where there's all these stands. Mm-hmm. So, it's, so it's completely Chicago Bear theme. Okay. Um, during the season, we'll have the games on Sunday. When um, we're not in season, we got uh, whatever uh, Chicago Bear content is streaming, um, old games, what have you. Inside, there will be little stands. Uh, Italian beef. It can be Roma's Italian beef, Portillo's, um, pizza, Giordano's, Lou Malnati, hot dogs, Portillo's, Fatso, Chicago Doghouse. So when you go there, you can go to your stand, your barbecue, Italian Steak, whatever. So, we so have who's bringing in, who's bringing in the food? Can I ask who's are you are you inviting outside vendors to come sell their food? Yeah, that's exactly okay. what it is. It's, okay. it's all vendors. So like Pertillos will have their vending station. Yeah, so Manny doesn't speak Chicago. He doesn't know these these are actual brands. And um, I've heard of. I do know Pertillos. I think we have <laughs> that here, don't we? Uh, they have one here. They're, they opened like up one, one in, deep in, in Orange, Orange County, or something. I think, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But anyway, the whole point is yes, it's all vendors. Okay. Like all vendors, and mm-hmm. the, the goal is to have the very best of Chicago, like kind of staple foods at your, you know, at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Yeah, I hear you. From hot dogs to barbecue, Italian pizza, um, even Garrett's popcorn. There can be a Garrett's popcorn stand. And, and Maddie, I don't know if you've ever had. What, I haven't. What is what is Garrett's popcorn? Oh, like? What does what does Garrett have to offer? <laughs> Would you would you would you like to would you like to give a description, um, Rich? Uh, you know, I I I don't know it. I'm not familiar with it. I oh, I Garrett? lived in a I lived in a suburb How of Chicago. Dare you call yourself a Chicago man? You don't oh, know Garrett's pop. I know the general. Uh, I know Chicago's general uh, oeuvre. <laughs> anyway, anyway, it is just like the most amazing popcorn place that you can go to. And it's you when you, when you're downtown in the loop, you will just smell it. Wait, hold on. Is it just is it just like buttered salted popcorn, or is it flavored yeah, it, like caramel it, corn it, and kettle corn? Sure. And exactly, exactly. There's okay. there's, there's there's several different styles, but they they're all so fantastic. It's like a better popcornopolis, is what you're saying. Exactly, okay. exactly. And you can get it, and you can get it warm. No shade against popcornopolis. <laughs> but it's 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 fantastic. It's fantastic, and it's and a. A downtown Chicago staple. I would say if you're in Chicago, you would you you should go to to Garrett's. Okay. So again, so that's so that that's the food. Okay. So mm-hmm. the range of food you have is everything from pizza. You know, I'd have to repeat myself. Um, all right. So here are the beers. Okay. You ready? Go ahead. I mean, man, I'm I'm thirsty. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. We got we got the GSH. Oh yep. Which is the George Stanley Hallis. Okay. It is a hard-nosed, no-nonsense pioneer of a beer. So I'm thinking it's a porter. Because um, a porter is one of the, the, the earliest beers, right? Or one of, right? Or no? Yeah, it's pretty old school. Yeah, so it's, like, it's, it's a good pioneer of a beer, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it okay. works for me. All right, good. It's not, but this one is not sessionable. There, I got this is This is burning a hole in my head here. You don't, you know, you do know it's Staley, right? Not Stanley. No, it's actually Stanley. It's not it's Stanley. Stanley? Yes, yeah, it's Staley. Stanley. No, the Staley is what Staley's the Decatur Staley's is what the name of the the team used to be. 
right uh, in the beginning. But that was the that was named after uh, a particular plant down in Decatur. But his middle name is Stanley. It's George Stanley. Hatton. I thought it was like a family name no. that was on both the team yeah. and his. Middle what are name. all these? Gotcha. Okay, you guys are speaking Chicago Bear right now. What are <laughs> who is George Let Stanley? Let me just double check. Let me just double check. Because if you're right, <laughs> I've been saying this wrong forever. It's all coming. I apart. feel I feel terrible if if I am right, but uh, no, nope. I just always read it Stanley. It is George Stanley Hallis. Yeah, Stanley. All right. Yeah, All right, cool. Let me just make sure. Yeah, yeah, George <laughs> Stanley. George Stanley Hallis. I'm, I'm, George Stanley Hallis. Who is George Hallis? Who is this guy? He oh, Maddie. He started the Bears. He, I see his he, nickname is Papa Bear. Papa Bear. So when you see when you see the GSH on the side of um, the Chicago Bear jersey, um, it stands for George Stanley oh. Hallis. He's, he's he started the Bears. the Bears, but he's also one of uh, he also helped start the National Football League. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you went when you win the NFC championship, the the championship trophy you get is um, the George Stanley House trophy. Here, let's let's take it back to the brewery then. before we get into the any of the other signature stuff. I think I think Larry's given plenty for Rich to mull over. So, Rich. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Go ahead. What well, are, I want to hear I want to hear a couple more beers. You want to so hear more? Larry, you need the, the other beers? Yeah. Oh, this is. This well, we is can key. talk about the beers individual. Or we can talk about the whole brewery and the concept as a whole. Well, the beers are part of the concept. Okay. I mean, so we got Fair. this Pioneer Fair Porter, enough. which I love. <laughs> Larry, I was also just trying to get in your head and see if I could shake you off your uh, off your pitch here by uh, mess, messing with your. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm saying I'm saying sessionable. Is it sessionable or sessional? Sessionable. Yeah, that's it's more the more awkward word. Sessionable. That's what I thought. Okay. All right, so we have um, so the GSH, which is a hard nosed, no nonsense pioneer of a beer, supporter, mm-hmm. not sessionable, very high alcohol content, meant to knock you on your ass, and only comes in large bottles. And uh, I think there's some bottle fermentation happening. Okay, okay. does that sound doable? Sure. Yeah, I'm. Right, you you tell me. You're you're the. I know, but you're I, you're you're the guy I'm working with. You're the guy that knows the beer, so I need you to I need you to help me out. All Rich, right. you're Mark Cuban right now. We're in the beer <laughs> Shark Tank. Bring it on. Okay. The and then tank. we have then we have the Mike Ditka. Okay. <laughs> it's a hard, frothy, ice cold beer with a lot of head on the foam. So after you drink, you enjoy a nice foamy Mike Ditka mustache. So I'm thinking, awesome. I'm thinking a very hoppy German pilsner that is okay. uh, that's maybe even dry hopped in secondary fermentation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. Next beer is the sweetness. This is the most sessionable beer that we have. It's okay. well balanced. It's a malty sweet, extra special bitter beer. The sweetness. And that should not be awesome. conf- that should not be confused with the Walter. Okay, oh, but wow. I'm going to point out the sweetness is Walter Payton. Yes, yes. yes. exactly. We're going, hard, we're going not- deep. You're going deep. I'm Bears. going. Super I mean, deep. I know Walter Payton is a well-known one. He's going deep like Willie Galt. I'm saying these references. <laughs> oh, God. Willie Galt. Willie Galt. Okay, so so the sweetness should not be mistaken with the Walter, which is a never die easy, hard hitting version of the prior, multi sweet. High alcohol content with a grassy hop finish. Now here's the thing. Now here's the thing, because because you know Peyton was sweet, but he also never died easy. He put licks on you just as hard as you would try to put on him. So what I need this beer to do, the goal of this beer is when you taste it, it's sweet, but it's like you've been knocked over, and you, <laughs> your your face is in the dirt. So you got that that grass that grassy finish, <laughs> grassy aroma at the end. 
Okay? This is awesome. <laughs> All right. So that's the sweetness and the Walter. All right. The next one is, not, I got a few. I got a few, guys. I got a few. But I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. All right. The next one is the URL.ache.er, the Erlacher. Okay. <laughs> now, Erlacher is a throwback to the Bears middle linebackers of old. So the beer is the craft brew version of Chicago's popular old style beer. Very sessionable, easy drinking American lager. Cool. But packed with flavor. Okay. Mm-hmm. The next one. Is the Devin Hester? You are ridiculous. It is a very sessionable. Is, wait, it's very wait, sessionable. Is, wait, sorry. The, the name of the beer is Devin Hester. You are ridiculous. It's the Devin Hester. You are ridiculous. <laughs> very sessionable, explosive, known to leave a bitter taste in a lot of mouths, but clean and crisp. So now here's I want to ask you this. So I, it's a it's a black lager. Is there a way to make a German style black lager? Yeah, of course. It's called a Schwartz beer. Yeah, totally. Well, there you go. A Schwartz beer. <laughs> a German yeah. style black lager. Okay. Um, perfect. Next beer. The Samurai Mike. All right. That's named after Mike Singletary, Maddie, just in case. You I honestly didn't know that one. I didn't. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping you'd clarify. <laughs> okay. Well, I need, maybe I need to clarify. I'm assuming, I'm assuming everybody's a Bears fan anyway. Um, they are. They are. Totally. <laughs> So this is this is our black IPA similar to Stone Self Righteous um, Ale and, and I think was Lafrique was it Green Flash Lafrique that was similar no Lafrique, no that was, that was Lafrique is the Cali Belgique yeah Lafrique yeah. is the Cali Belgique so right. no so similar to Stone Self Righteous Dark IPA okay mm. very balanced but packed with hops got it awesome Boom. that's the Samurai Mike then we have the forty six now Maddie the forty six <laughs> is the name of the defense. That the 85 Bears made popular, okay. invented by um, Buddy and, uh, Brown. The 85 Bears, they were very good? Were they good? The greatest, the greatest, the greatest. Didn't greatest they, okay. they, they won their division that year, right? Did they make some noise? Super Bowl shuffle. Let, let's, let, I, don't, I don't have time to be answering these questions. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't done your homework. I'm going to invest in this brewery. I need to know. <laughs> it's the 85 Bears. Absolutely. It's, the great, it's, it's largely considered the greatest football team of all time. Okay. Okay. All right. So now the right, 40, lay the 46 on me. The 46 is the most potent beer we have. It can't be enjoyed on the premises. It's <laughs> limited to one bottle per month. Okay. However, when you order it, you get a free draft of the Gary Fensick, <laughs> which is the more sessionable version of the 46. Still hits hard, but doesn't ruin you. Now these are High intensity, full body sours meant to ruin your your palate. Gary Fensick was the starting safety for the '85 Bears. He was the key to the he was the key to the the um the forty sixty. Actually, I think the forty six was named after okay. Doug Plank, who was number forty six. I actually right. think that's the truth. But, but anyway. he didn't he didn't end up playing in the Super Bowl year. Yeah. Um. All right. Then I got we're almost done. We're almost done. I got two more. I got okay, two. Let's get that. Then, then I got the refrigerator. Okay. Of course. Refrigerator Perry. I know that one. No, I called it the refrigerator. I know, but I, but I know what it's refer. I'm, I'm, I know the reference. I know, Maddie. I'm just playing with you. <laughs> okay. It is an ice cold, full bodied white ale. Okay. 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 Relatively simple, but that's what it is. Okay. The last one we have is the Punky QB slash. 
the Jay Cutler. Okay. <laughs> Jay, gets, is, Jay gets a mention there. Oh, oh, you're gonna love it. This is our Brewers Choice beer. You don't know what you will get batch to batch. Nice. But it is a damn good beer. Literally, it is the Brewers Choice. It can be anything from a peanut butter stout to a Hefeweizen to a white ale to a Lambic or anything in between. Whatever the brewer is feeling and has brewed, that is what's poured. The only caveat is you can't ask what it is. You just have to order <laughs> it and make do. Hey, speaking of which, did you guys see that Jay Cutler and Kristen Cavallari are getting uh, are splitting? They're calling yeah. it quits? See, I know some bear stuff. <laughs> yeah, my wife came here that, that information <laughs> last week. So that's it. That's that's the okay. that's the beers, guys. That's the beers. The beers? That's the, that's, those are the signature beers. That's Dub Beers is the name of the brewery? Dub Beers. Dub Beers. Dub Beers. Yes. Okay. Chicago-themed with everything you can like and love in Chicago, which is the Bears and the Beers. Larry, I love it. Thank you for uh, thanks for putting so much thought into this thing. This is a, uh, a well-fleshed-out brewery. Yeah, I did, I did what I could. I did what I could. Talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to you. Uh, well, first of all, having grown up you know, outside of Chicago, being a Bears fan, I, uh, I love the, uh, the theme. All right. It pulls tugs, tugs at my Larry heartstrings. Che- Larry really. cheated. He pitched a Bears, Larry did that. Bears, Bears fan. But you know what? When it comes down to business and coming up with uh, business ideas, um, cheating uh, as far as uh, playing on emotions is not, uh, not a good, safe way to uh, build a uh, sustainable business. Okay. So, um, okay. so Larry, first thing I look at here is that the theme is incredibly Chicago-oriented. Um, do you want to sell beer outside of Chicago? No, this is not, not necessarily, not necessarily. Okay. This is, this is meant to be, and again, it's not, I want to be clear. It's not Chicago theme. Mm-hmm. It's Chicago bear theme. Right. Okay. So you are further reducing your market by exactly. not only, <laughs> but you have to, but you have to realize, but you have to realize everybody in Chicago loves the bears. <laughs> mm. uh, okay. So a concern I have is that um, so you would have trouble growing, I think, outside of Chicago because the branding uh, will not resonate outside of Chicago, except for, you know, the the increasingly aging population of people our age and older who actually remember the 85 bears. Well, let me ask you this question. Well, let me ask you this question. question. Is it a prerequisite that I have to intend to expand outside of the Chicago area? I mean, you can't have a successful craft brewery like in, in, in one area? No, I, I, I'm just pointing it out as a potential liability. It's a choice you're making at this point. Yeah. Um, you are self-limiting, which can be good and bad. But, we're, but uh, we, also, we also talk a lot about the fact that beer doesn't travel well. And then right. we're trying to move back to where... Mm. Beer is local, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's that's a fine idea. Um, but when you're looking at the sustainability of a business, you know, it's nice to come up with uh, fun products and fun, you know, fun vibe and design and all that stuff. Uh-huh. But a business is only as healthy as its cash flow. Got it. Got it. And got so, it. if you are already cutting out large parts of the market that you're not, they're gonna, you're gonna have trouble growing into then you just need to be aware of that and figure out, all right, well, how am I going to attack the local market that I can access as hard as possible? Yeah. And so what you're talking about here sounds like a place that has very little off-premise sales. 
So you got people that are going there for the vibe. They're going to watch the Bears games. They're going to watch, you know, sort of steep themselves in the Bears history and drink a lot of beer on site, ex- with the exception of the 46, which is the bottle that you can't drink on premise. Exactly. But um, also, but also mm-hmm. you're going there to enjoy, like if you're going there to enjoy Chicago pizza. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got the food. Got it. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to get to that in a sec, but. If you are working on a place that is all about getting people to your establishment in order to spend money, then you need to make sure you got that down and you understand liabilities and possible risks with that, including what, I mean, basically you're operating a tap room model. Okay. This isn't even a brew pub because you're not going to have your own food service. You're going to have outside vendors come in to, to serve food. Um, so presumably you can charge them rent and take a little bit of slice, you know, take a little slice off of that. Uh, But in general, you're not making a lot of money on the food, but you're having an easier time of driving traffic to your establishment because there's food present. But the taproom model based on beer um, right across the bar, uh, you know, you got the brewery in back. You're not you're cutting out the middleman. You don't have a wholesaler. Um, So you can sell beer. um, You know, you can you can pay for it at cost of just your ingredients, which is pretty cheap and sell it at retail, uh, which is a good markup. So that's great. And you're getting people there because they're coming for the food. Um, however, a liability right now is, you know, everyone who opened a tap room, you know, there are 8,200 breweries in the United States right now. Uh, it seems like, you know, almost half of them or maybe 40% of them are, uh, you know, the tap room only model. And all of those are the ones that are extremely hurting right now mm. because of the coronavirus shutdowns. So those places and potentially dub beers need, uh, need another revenue stream. And so if you diversify yourself into having a distribution model, um, that can help make it so that you can weather the storm if, you know, whether it's an actually, you know, a pandemic, which is hopefully very unlikely. For wave or two, just, for wave two is what you're saying. Well, <laughs> wave, wave two, two potentially. Two us, you're gonna... Or just like, how about terrible Chicago weather, you know, or, oh. you know, it's no better, like. No better place to be than inside of a bar. <laughs> I would agree. Hey, I would agree. I'm, you know. That's never stopped anybody in Chicago. I'm just trying to think, think as, as a, as a business person. With does that, that as, well, as let me ask, uh, Rich, since you bring that up, does that, is that like a huge concern? consideration or i mean obviously coronavirus is a very unique like worldwide cr- mm-hmm. insane event but obviously there are like you said weather events and and stuff like that yeah. that happen does that it's is that a, is that that much is that a, like it feels like you're making that a really big consideration that the brewery a brewery because of its what a brewery is like needs that mm-hmm. secondary i don't call it secondary like that other revenue is that something that like a brewery would if it was being looked at by a responsible investor who knew what he was doing or brewers that knew what they were doing, mm-hmm. had a lot of experience, would they think of that sort of thing? Is that a big thing they take? Probably not. No, you don't, you don't worry about a pandemic, but you do have other, other risks in mind and hopefully you've got insurance for some of this stuff. But what about like, say there's, you know, a rash of food poison that comes out of your brewery, you know, and all of a sudden people are like, Ooh, I'm not going to that brewery. Are you crazy? Yeah. Um, or what about the fact that, you know, Larry, you know, in the loop, that's an incredible, that's a high rent area. Um, but it's also a high traffic area. So maybe you got a lot of breweries that decide to open up. You know, you found that one, that one gutted warehouse in the neighborhood. Um, is that near, is that near soldier field? Is it's that down? No, it's downtown. Or, it's just, okay. it's, just it's downtown. close-ish. It's close enough to soldier oh, field, but yeah. it, it's like the heart of Chicago. It's downtown okay, but it's Chicago. not, but it's not a place where you'd pregame for a game. Like somewhere eh, in, bus ride this in September, it's, I mean, you it's walkable could, in September. Okay. <laughs> you could, but no, the answer is no. 
Yeah. I've never been to but Chicago, so I'm just Free gaming is not a huge thing. You know, you fit, what, 100,000 people at most in Soldier Field, and Chicago is, you know, what, 3 million people living there. So you're, you're probably, and you need to be open, you know, you're trying to make money 365 days a year. Yeah. So if yeah. you're only making money on game days, that's not uh, a real sustainable that, business. That's, exactly, but that's not, that's not the goal. Well, that's, that's what I was going to ask. Here's, well, no, here's the, here's the thing, here's the thing. Chicago, people in Chicago love their sports. They love their sports bars. So, yeah, it, it's not just about being open on game day. You know, it's like, again, there's great, there's great beer and you literally can go in one place and get access to all of the food that you like in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. You become a sort of a, a crossroads or a clearinghouse for, the, you know, Chicago's greatest hits, basically. Mm-hmm. Can I ask Larry? Because, I, you know, I, I watch football. It's not my sport. Basketball is probably my sport. Sure. Not probably. It is my sport. Do you do in the off season? Do you get into like the Lori Markin and Mertzen or anything? Do you do do you do any like Bulls stuff? Do you do any Blackhawks stuff? Do you bring I mean, in the other sports, I, or is this really a is a stay Bearsy? Because the one thing is, I'm from a I'm from Phoenix and then like L A. Which so they've never I've never been around a place that was like Chicago, which uniquely has Bears bars. Uh, look, obviously. Obviously, there'll be a place where you can go and watch like the Cubs game or the or the Bulls game or something like that, or the Blackhawks. You know what I'm saying? But it's primarily a Chicago Bears theme. Right. Do the beers uh, stick to Bears then? Yeah, yeah, 100 percent. 100 percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. Can I? But, ask, I, but yeah, I don't. Think, yeah. I don't see that as being offensive to anybody in Chicago. Like, no one's going to go no, there no, and go. No, I wouldn't think oh, it is. I'm, it's, yeah. yeah, Rich. What are your thoughts on the forty six? The beer that you cannot drink at the brewery. I wouldn't lead with that one. Basically, you need some street cred before you start having a um, you know limited edition sort of thing. You know, if you if you brew a limited edition beer, but no one knows about your brewery, no one knows about the beer. It's embarrassing because you have a whole lot of this beer in inventory and you can't even get rid of it. So I, I think it's a fine idea once you build some, some you know, build a groundswell, build some popularity. It's a nice sort of icing on the cake. Once people get to know you as a brewery that's got all these fun beers, that's fine. And then for the folks that are really in on the, the, the down low on the beer, they might start to hear about this 46 club, you know, where they get the one bottle a month. So I think it's, it's a good option down the road. I wouldn't, I wouldn't lead with that one. It's also going to piss people off in the opening press release when you, you know, you're trying to get <laughs> some, some words and press about your new brewery and people find out right away that this brewery they've never even had has beer that they can't, they can't buy or that's that they have trouble buying. So I'd be careful about that one. Um, but it, again, it's a cool idea for down the road. And one other thing, um, how important is that like one singular signature beer? Even like great breweries, like in a Russian River goes, is just an obvious one that pops up in my head. Pliny the Elder is the famous, the most famous beer. But obviously they have a ton of other beers. You know, Pliny the Younger almost feels like it's almost like attached to Pliny the Elder. Not almost, but it mm-hmm. is. And then they have other good beers. But how important is it to like establish one signature beer that you know you can point to and be like, that's our beer? Or do you think it's better to have a brewery be like, oh, we do this style really well? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. I, I, this, at this point, it doesn't matter because the scene is so mature. There's so much competition and there's so many different successful business models and concepts for how to, how to do your beer that basically you need to figure out what is going to work in your individual situation. And it might turn out that like all your beers, Larry, that you got, mm-hmm. uh, they might all be really good, but people really flock to the 46, they flock to the, uh, you know, to the Erlacher or whatever, um, 
you know, then that could be your signature. But it could also be that people are just pumped because, uh, you know, you, you well, your beers are a little bit all over the place. But, you know, say you're just a lager brewery, you know, like they're famous lager breweries within uh-huh. that are just known for all their lagers being really solid. Or, well, like going back to Russian River, you know, a lot of people find out about Russian River because of, because of their, their IPAs, whether it's Blind Pig, Planet of the Elder, or Planet of the Younger. Um, but a lot of people don't even know about the IPAs, and they really just fought, find out about um, Russian River through the Sour program. Yeah. So they've got really... It sounds like, like consecration is... Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got really, you know, really noteworthy yeah. sour beers. And so, mm. Larry, I like that you've got enough diversity within your beer list. Uh, you know, you've got a sour. You've got, uh, you know, got some... The dark IPA, you know, uh, ESB, a stronger ESB, um, you know, the the old style sort of, you know, easy drinking American beer, uh, American lager, I should say. Um, you know, you've got a lot of diversity there. So you're going to be able to please a lot of different markets, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. And when you're a place where you need to get people to come to your restaurant, it's nice to have variety. You know, you're not just serving French fries. You got, you know, a bunch of different foods. You know, or, well, I mean, that's a weird example because you literally have a bunch of different foods from different vendors there. But you, when you're thinking about a restaurant, you know, you want to go to a restaurant that uh, can please a, you know, a, a crowd of people. You know, if you if you go, you know, with a group of six, you don't expect that everyone's going to order the same thing off the menu. And the same thing goes for beer. So that's fine. If you're a distributing brewery that really is trying to penetrate the market with, um, you know, and fight for shelf space at at uh, grocery stores or something, for instance, yeah, it's yeah. nice to have a flagship beer, a couple flagship beers that are basically paying the bills and that you can experiment around with other beers to get some flexibility um, and see what's going to work. But you never have to worry about those other beers not paying your bills. Got it. Uh, um, so, Maddie, to your question, I think whatever is going to work, uh, you know, I mean, you can try whatever. And the, the scene is mature enough now that um, you can have either just one flagship or overall overarching style that works for you or just a, a real hodgepodge. Um, but going, Larry, going back to what I was saying about um, getting people to your space um, and having to potentially fight competition at this point, um, you know, there are a lot of taproom breweries that are fighting not only, um, competition from other breweries, but also competition mm-hmm. among other beer bars. So it's hard to get people to your, to your location and get them to spend enough money also to keep your doors open. So you need to be lean and mean um, and really work on throughput, be able to get as many people in uh, spending money and then get them out of there and get more people in there spending money. You got to keep that check average high. Um, mm-hmm. That's all stuff that you need to be able to really micromanage um, on an operational level uh, within the hospitality side, because you're not doing a lot of distribution, certainly not outside, not outside of that, um, the Chicagoland region. So um, I think you're, you got a ton of merchandising opportunities there. Absolutely. Obviously Absolutely. Your beers have tons of branding. You got to be worried about, uh, NFL copyrights and the Chicago Bears copyrights. Um, so you gotta, you gotta have a good IP lawyer and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe do some cross promotion with those guys, but I have a hunch they're pretty skittish about doing any sort of cross promotion. I'm sure they get a thousand emails a week about someone trying to do, you know, new... I got a, I got a guy on the inside. I got a guy ah, on the nice. inside. Nice. <laughs> they can give me nice. the Ted, they can give me the Ted yeah. Phillips. So it's like, it's like uh, Richard Dent. He, he always gets on the inside. So, uh, another, my last thing I, I need to say is, uh, the refrigerator beer, um, mm-hmm. has to be a Doppelbach. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Because, and I don't know about this, this full bodied white ale thing here. Cause, uh, anytime in Germany, a beer ends in A T O R. Oh, that's right. That's it's right. a Doppelbach. Oh. You're right. You're right. And I know <laughs> wow. that wow. you're totally right. And I know that I so, love it. Yeah. I love it. You're no, you're absolutely right. I'm changing it now. 
Um, yeah. The Imperial ESB, the, the the Walter, not the sweetness, but the Walter yeah. that has the grassy hop finish because it's yeah. like it's sweet, but you've been knocked over and you're landing in the dirt and the grass. Yeah. Um, I think that's cool because the grassiest hops are typically German hops, German and Czech hops. Um, and those are not ones that are typically featured in particularly alcoholic or, or sweeter, in, more intense beers. So I'm really interested to taste that beer. I really want to try that beer, like a double double size, dry hopped, you know, imperial ESB, whatever whatever the hell that beer is. Yeah. I want to try it. Love so it. I'm in. The Walter, we're great. We got to brew it. We got to brew and it. And you got a you got a hashtag opportunity with your uh, your dick mustache. I want to see uh, I want to see that blowing <laughs> up on Instagram. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I cannot believe I did not catch the refrigerator thing. Like I know, <laughs> I know that. Uh, hey, can, can you it, also called him George Stanley Harris. You're doing it all wrong. His name is Stanley. What are you talking about? Alice, <laughs> <laughs> um, Alice. Let me just ask. Uh, what is the? From either, either of you can answer this question. What is the Grossman? Hey, we don't, we don't, we don't, we, we don't put the Grossman on there. We, we don't do that. <laughs> Not on top. Okay. Yeah, we don't do that. We don't do that. Well, they they tried brewing it, but uh, but it failed pretty fast. <laughs> no, it did well. It did well for. It did well for about eight to ten weeks, and then it then yeah. it fell off. It's o- it's only good uh, in a sampler uh, with a with the Devin Hester and the Erlacher. <laughs> <laughs> Got to put a good defense uh, on the other side of. Let me not hate uh, on Rex. Let me not hate on sexy. Larry, I can't wait to go to the beers and. Uh, it does sound like a great place beers. to go. I would love. I would love to go. I love the food hall. I love food halls. Yeah, the food, food hall vibe. And 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 if a if a brewery can somehow you know be a brewery and incorporate that, that's a cool. That's a cool place to hang. It sounds like yeah. a good time. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah. All right. So All right, I'll, I'll pitch. Yeah. What, I'll what pitch you got, mine. So my brewery, it's called Nortenia. Now I'm from, uh, I'm from Phoenix. I'm from the Southwest. And I think, you know, I kind of looked at this from like the cultural angle, keeping beer in mind. And I think one thing that's always interested me is there's little European influences uh, in Mexican culture. And one of those is Nortenio, Nortenio music, which is kind of, it's music like that's kind of like polka-y. There's kind of these cultures in northern Mexico that are a, are a mix of Mexican and like European mi- migrants. Um, and so and I think a lot of people don't really know about that and the way that those cultures have blended in a way. You know, I think people naturally put a put a, um, a separation between Mexican culture and honestly, probably white culture. Exploring kind of the influence of both on each other is, is a fun way to go. Uh, and so it's called Nortenia. It is in north central Phoenix. Uh, and the uh, the design or aesthetic of it, I think the building itself, I, I, I went in terms of the building, you start from the foundation of like a German brew house, the wood and the, and then you accent it with Mexican um, folklore and desert designs. Uh, the logo, I was thinking maybe like a saguaro cactus with a tap on it, <laughs> tapping the saguaro cactus. And then uh, for the signature beer, I only have one signature beer. Overall, the beers would be a lot of, there'd be Mexican lagers, Vienna lagers, and then it would go into German. Um, we're still in lagers, but it'd be like Dunkles and stuff like that. Um, most of it trying to be refreshing, smooth, sessionable. Uh, and I think the signature beer would be the Conjunto, which is a Mexican band, basically. The Conjunto um, would be a Dunkel. Um, I'm thinking along the lines of the um, Alt Bayerisch. What is it? Is that how you pronounce it? Alt Bayerisch? Mm-hmm. The Einger? Yeah. Einger? Anyway. I, I anger, yeah. I anger. I anger old Irish, kind of like a dunkel, um, a little bit malty and sweet. You know, that's the kind of beer I like. I think not super hard in that direction, like very drinkable, um, lighter, thinner, um, however you kind of want to call it. 
um, just a very drinkable and just a, yeah. And that's a, that's the brewery concept that I'm pitching to you today, Rich. Cool. Uh, restate, what'd you say about the sweetness level on that? I think it would be, I think it would be lightly sweet. I wouldn't want to go too heavy, too heavy sweet. I think, I think in keeping with kind of the Mexican lagers and and Vienna lagers, I don't, I wouldn't want to go too hard in that direction. I want to be refreshing and not sugary. Yeah. Like a little bit of a brown sugar tint. Okay. Okay. And, and, and what did you say is food? Yeah. We don't do food. Um, we invite local taco trucks, um, and other food trucks to uh, park right out front, but we don't handle Mm -hmm. food in house. Okay. So you're a tap room, sounds like. Yeah. All right. Yes. And are you distributing beer at all? We are distributing. We don't really have huge aspirations for a, a national, but uh, definitely want to be like regional, Arizona. Um, ideally, we'll be able to expand into California and the rest of the Southwest. Okay. And uh, what's your package? Are we talking bottles or cans or what? Package. Or keg? Oh, gotcha. I think bottles. Bottles is what I, I think. I meant brown bottles to me feels right. Okay. Uh, what are we doing draft as well? Doing kegs? You mean like selling them or like at the brewery? No, sending, are you sending kegs to, when I go to a restaurant, when I go to a restaurant in Gilman, am I drinking your beer on tap? Yeah, you are. Um, I think, and I think it's, I think the brewery, what's going to happen is that our Mexican lager is going to be the more widely sold one. Mm -hmm. Um, you'll, that, I think that one naturally, especially, uh, knowing people in in Arizona and they'll, that'll be the easier one to be familiar with and to expect Mm -hmm. like kind of like a more craft version of a, you know, of a Mexican lager. And what was okay. the name of that? What was the name of that Mexican lager again? Um, oh, the, which one? The Dunkel? That one yeah. didn't get named. No, Conjunto oh. is the Dunkel. And then what about the Mexican lager? Oh, the Mexican lager? Yeah. Ooh, I didn't name it. Larry's got some bears that are probably free. <laughs> <laughs> I could call it the uh, Kurt Warner, but I don't think that's uh, going to sell it. The Larry uh, Fitzgerald. How about, so- how about a Saguaro? Grab a Saguaro. Okay. So the saguaro. All right. And then um, what uh, – so, so this Mexican lager that's going to help mm-hmm. um, when I buy that in a grocery store um, mm-hmm. and I see uh, – is it a six-pack of 12-ounce bottles? Yeah. How much does it cost to okay. the reta- to the, uh, to the consumer? <laughs> Boy, I, this is – I didn't know about Well, this is getting tricky because like, I'm, I'm concerned about your brewery, f- frankly. we gotta, we got to okay. work some things out of here. You're concerned. Okay. Um, I don't know what it costs. Twelve ninety nine. Twelve ninety nine. Okay. <clears throat> All right, and then, uh, but most of your beer is sold at the brewery, at the tap room. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and to be clear, it's it's hugely popular. Yeah, like of it. course, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, outdoor space is a must there. Um, yes. So people are going to be drinking outside. Oh, and we have and live music because Norteño, it, a, a large part is the musical component. So okay. I forgot to mention that, but Norteño I, music. I forgot to mention um, that too. Los Tigres, Los Tigres del Norte are going to come and be at the opening. Okay. And Menudo. Um, we'll, well, we'll probably have a special beer, um, like a Mexican, the limited edition Mexican, uh, Mexican hot chocolate stout or something named Tigres del Norte. That sounds good. Okay. Okay, so Maddie, mm-hmm. uh, I am concerned about this for a few okay. reasons here. Um, first of all, it is so it basically seems as if you're getting you're getting into a very crowded sphere without something particularly unique. So when I've been to Phoenix, um, I see people drinking beer outside mm-hmm. um, all the time. You know, all the restaurants and tap rooms. There's always outside space because it's beautiful weather a lot of the year, and the rest of the time of the year. Or you got uh, the mist. The misters are going during you know to keep you cool during yeah, the yeah. daytime. Mm-hmm. So, and everyone wants to drink things like pilsners, and you know if it's easy drinking, they're doing things like pilsners, American lagers, and Mexican lagers, um, or they're doing IPAs. 
And uh, there's obviously room for other growth and that, but that is primarily the extant market. And that seems to be what you're launching into, except your biggest difference is that you're trying to push a dark logger, which is an uphill battle from from an education standpoint. Mm -hmm. And I don't see the hook for why people are going to want to see that logger or see that dark beer and be like, ooh, this is something I want to try. Because it doesn't have a name, you know, it doesn't have something like, you know, the overarching theme of, you know, the bears or something that people already have something, some comfort with. I understand that the Nortenio culture and Nortenia will have some cachet. However, if your price points are things like 13 bucks for six pack, when you're going up against Modelo Especial, which is like, what, 13 bucks for, for an 18 pack. Um, that's an uphill battle to engage the crowd that already wants to drink Mexican lagers. You don't think the craft, the local craft angle would help. I I think it's going to help for the yes and no. So first of all, the stuff that's, that's really local, you always get a good local crowd. That's, that's fine. But Mm -hmm. Phoenix is such a car culture and people drive, you know, really all over the Valley. It seems like to, to go to restaurants or go to bars or whatever. And so I think you're going to get a lot of, in my personal experience, I haven't seen a ton of, uh, local vibe there compared to something like Chicago, where you're just walking down, you know, the the street a couple blocks to your neighborhood watering hole. So yeah. to get that hardcore local sales uh, going, um, I think you need something that's a little bit. There needs to be more of a hook. Like what's unique about it? You got quality. That's great. You were trying to blend German and Mexican influences, which is cool. But is that going to make me drive, you know, across town to come to your brewery? You know, the live music, I dig. Um, I think with the mixed culture thing, there's maybe a, a missed opportunity for doing a mixed culture fermentation. Uh, sour beers, oh. sour beers oh. are a way to oh. differentiate yourself. Smart, mm-hmm. smart. You know, there are a lot of sour breweries all over, uh, you know, all over the coasts and not that many that are, uh, you know, in the interior of the country that are making waves. So um, I personally love sitting around drinking dunkles and, you know, mm-hmm. good lagers. Uh, and that's kind of what I would probably want to drink when I'm sitting out, you know, 300 days of the year in, in Phoenix, I'm happy to drink that stuff. But again, I think you're going up against a crowded market that's doing a lot of IPAs and then Mexican lagers and Pilsners. So what are you going to do that's different? That's that's my main concern. Gotcha. Yeah, my thing was, yeah, I guess, I mean, my one thing was leaning into the German thing, but I do see what you're saying with the, uh, yeah, like you said, like, how do you sell the German angle mm-hmm. something that, that, that is uh, special or unique? Yeah. Um, hopefully Los Tigres and El Norte's presence at our opening will, uh, help, <laughs> help deal just at least to spread the word. The, I mean, the mixed culture thing, I mean, from a branding standpoint, obviously that's a, that's a, that's a great thing, but also, yeah, bringing in some sour seems like a good, a good angle. I was trying to, cause I was thinking of Phoenix and I was trying to avoid a couple of the things that a couple of places there have done really well, you know, like I think like Arizona wilderness, um, another place I like is Ren house there that have done some sour stuff and have mm-hmm. done natural like deserty ingredients so i was was staying away from those a bit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we'd probably have like a prickly pear ipa or something like that yeah but i see what you're saying about 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 that that element that differentiates it the thing is the hook needs to be something that people gravitate to naturally they see already yeah you can't give them something totally new well, you can't, them you, to... it just, if you, if you're doing something that's so different that it comes with an educational component where you have to, mm-hmm. you know, hand sell everyone on it, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And so something like a prickly pear IPA is great because people already have an impression of an IPA and they already have an impression of a prickly pear, you know, and they're happy to come, you know, bring those together. Uh, 
you know, actually, it's it's ironic that up here in Helena, in uh, in Montana, there's actually a, a prickly pear IPA. It's uh, it's pretty good, okay. prickly pear pale ale, which surprises me. But actually, some of Montana is arid enough to uh, to actually have some some cactuses. Mm. But um, but obviously, you know, down down there in uh, the Sonoran Desert, there's tons of that stuff. And so I think that that is a easier sell for folks. Um, and so you need to get them in with something easy, you know. And so okay. I think trying to lean hard on the dunkel is maybe an uphill battle um okay. but once they're so in I think on that that sounds like that might be an instance of a brewer, someone opening a brewery who's too in love with their personal favorite yeah well that's that's sort of telling larry keeping emotion out of it is pretty yeah. important mm-hmm. yeah. um yeah. unless you can imbue your story and your emotions around mm-hmm. the brand okay so nortania to me you know has, i think of you know i think of well, right. It's usually flour tortillas, delicious burritos. I think of, you know, reggaeton and polka music and all that stuff. Um, and I don't think of, you know, the German beer scene so much, um, mm-hmm. you know, but if you change either the beer to work with Nortenia or you change the brand to work with the beer, I think that there's more possibility there. You know, there are a lot of German style breweries, craft breweries that are opening up in the U S and they stick with German branding and German, you know, fonts, those kind of Gothic black letter fonts um, Mm. and uh, you know, German names and stuff like that. And it's just an easier jump for people that doesn't require as much of a leap of faith or an educational effort. I'm not saying that this thing isn't going to work. It just raises a little bit more of, of kind of red flags from an investor standpoint. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I need to level with you guys. I just invested seven hundred thousand dollars in a brewery called Nortania. Oh, I'm in boy. the hole. I need help. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, I would get as much uh, access to Los Tigros del, del Norte as possible. And, uh, <laughs> they like, won't return. They're not returning emails. They're like not to, responding. I'd like, I'd, like to you, I'd like to help you, but I, t- I just invested one point five in the beer. So. <laughs> uh, guys, good luck. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Well, thanks, Rich. That was really interesting. I think very helpful to all those listening that are planning. But, but out, out of out of the two concepts, and, and not, not that it's a not that it's a competition, because I think you're making it one, Larry. But <laughs> but out of the two concepts, where where are we landing? Where are we landing here? Where are we landing here, Rich? Where are we landing? Take emotion out of it. Where are we landing? <laughs> you know, I think there's more possibility for Maddie's model to make more money in the long term if it does all right. If it gets through that first, you know, year interview. one is my my hurdle. Yeah, year well, years oh. one, two, and three probably. Oh, but if you can make it through that and carve a niche for yourself within Phoenix, I think your beers translate really well to wider markets. Keep in mind, just because your beers translate well to other markets doesn't mean that you can actually get them there in good shape and deal with uh, mm-hmm. distributor, you know, relations and making sure that your beer sells well out in the you know in the market in California, for instance. California is uh-huh. a very difficult market to sell in when you're out of state. But Larry, I think you have a much easier year one, year two, year three, but you might hit a growth ceiling. Um, that's going to be limited by, you know, the constraints, the capacity constraints of your, of your, of your building, of your space. You know, um, you're going to need to grow uh, within Chicagoland and start selling your beer at more bars in Chicago, which will yeah. help. But along with that comes a lot of capital investments um, that are going to hurt some of your, your bottom line as you continue to grow. Um, and then eventually, yeah, I do think you'll hit a growth ceiling, um, you know, just I don't think you're going to get outside of Chicago real well. I just in terms of markets and I'm, and obviously, you know, the quarantine and everything that's going on makes this a little bit different. So maybe just kind of thinking more like 
pre quarantine or post once things get back to normal. Mm-hmm. If you were going to open a brewery in any market with hopes to succeed, obviously knowing there are a lot of competitive markets, a lot of places where it's oversaturated, where would you open a brewery? Well, I feel like proceeding this with the like the disclaimer that you always read, like like it's tax season right now. So if you go and like read a blog about tax stuff, you always it always starts with I'm not a tax attorney. Please consult your uh-huh. tax attorney. So don't <laughs> listen to what I'm going to say here. Um, <laughs> no, it's free though. I think it. I think it depends on what you want to do. Like I tell people this all the time. Look, if you are trying to open a brewery and you will not be happy or find success in your own mind, in your own wallet, if you can't continually grow and expand, then don't open the brewery. The market is so saturated right now that it's really difficult to continue to grow to sell more beer to more people in more places. Um, it's possible, but it's it's a roll of the dice. It's really hard to do it because it's so saturated. Um, if you can, if your brewery not growing, but like say you say you carve out a niche within your neighborhood in Chicago, or you're you know you're you're you don't need to grow beyond Phoenix or something like that. And you can be happy and hit that growth ceiling within the first couple of years and just be hunky dory and you can take a vacation. You know, you can actually leave the brewery. You're not in there every hour of the day and you have enough um, revenue to hire staff and hire management and all that stuff. Um, Then that is, if you can be satisfied with that, that's still possible. And I think that can be done in any city, um, in any part of the country, but you do need to worry about a lot of local regulations like um, increasing labor costs, uh, particularly in coastal cities are, really really difficult for a lot of restaurateurs to to handle right now so they're doing where would you where would you go though where are you going yeah yeah you actually want me to answer this don't you yeah where's higbrew (laughs) where are we doing it uh higbrew man you need people but you can't have too much pressure too much saturation i'd say a decent sized city somewhere in the middle of the country um that isn't famous for beer yet so St. Louis is St. I mean, I guess they have Anheuser-Busch. St. Louis. Yeah. St. Louis is possible from a craft angle, but the big guys have so much loyalty yeah. and so much, yeah. there's sort of a lot of stuff behind the scenes that I don't know much about. So I'd be nervous about moving into actually St. Louis proper, you know, a, a big brewer's backyard, but sure. Maybe St. Louis. Um, I think Cincinnati was that opportunity a few years ago. My buddy Bryant opened up uh, Ryan Geist out there, which is now a major player, um, oh, wow. not only in Cincinnati, but all over uh, sort of the, the north or whatever, northern Midwest, I guess. What's it, um, called? What's it called? Rheingeist? It's called Rheingeist. Yeah, it's, uh, it's named after uh, the over the Rhine neighborhood of Cincinnati. Um, R, uh, R-H-I-N-E for Rhine. Um, but yeah, you know, cities like that, like maybe Milwaukee is ready for, you know, I guess I, that's still that's sort of Miller's backyard. Yeah, um, Miller, yeah. You know, M- Minneapolis. What else? Some, I mean, Texas is huge. Uh, maybe Dallas. Um, would you consider Chicago? Right across the street I from DeBeers? Chicago has more breweries per capita than most. Well, I they do. It has a lot. Per capita, yeah, but it's got, it's got like 80 yeah. breweries in Chicago right now. Okay. Um, so I might not do Chicago myself. Uh, hmm. Salt Lake City? Ooh. Atlanta? Interesting. I don't know. I don't... Yeah. I mean... Beer is so complex these days that I have a good handle on a lot of it, but there are certain things that I dive deeply into and there are other things that I let other people worry about and the business side of it all and the growth strategies and all that stuff. The investment side is not really my forte. So um, there are people out there with much greater wisdom and uh, an instinct for this stuff than I, than I have. Um, If you want to talk about um, 
you know, nerdy, nerdy mashing techniques among uh, German style breweries. Let's do that. Well, that's, I will that's... say, I will say, um, interestingly enough, the one other place that the beers would do very well is in Arizona, in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. They, oh, a lot they, of retirees. A lot they, of they call it Arizona down there. There are a <laughs> ton of Chicago <laughs> Bears fans down there. I just want to throw that in. Maybe, maybe we could get together, Maddie. Maybe we get together and. You know, and do a collab and figure something yeah. out. Yeah, and do a, and do a collab. We can call it North yeah. Wait, is, are, do the Bears play on the north side or the south side of Chicago? Say so what now? They're sort of central. Oh, okay. Because that's the whole. I was, I was asking if the Bears play on the north side or south side of Chicago. So you could do like a north side, Nortania side. You could call it the yeah. NFC Nortania. Oh, hey. That's true. That's true. Nortania FC. That, that'd be a stretch, but that'd be true. A throwback. <laughs> that would be a stretch. Thank you, Larry. A throwback. Kind of not a, a, throwback not a throwback to, to years past. That's right. <laughs> All right, great. All right, well, thanks, Rich. This was fun. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I really, I really dug listening to your uh, to your ideas, and I want to drink some of those beers. That's for sure. Nice. That's all we want. As long as one person drinks Conjunto uh, and enjoys it. I will spend seven hundred fifty thousand dollars on each beer I drink. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. I'm saved. All right. Uh, well, that's all for Liquid Bread. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, follow us on Twitter at, at @liquidbreadpod. We're also on Instagram, also at @liquidbreadpod. Uh, if you've got questions, email us at liquidbreadpodcast at gmail dot com. If you want to invest uh, in the beers, holler at the beers. Yeah, let us know. Um, if you like us, please rate us on iTunes because that really helps us out, just our visibility, especially if it's five stars. Um, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Uh, so, Rich, before we go, do you have anything to plug? A uh, new video series right now with um, with the restaurant community. It's a new group that's uh, focusing on uh, building um, community advancement and purpose among folks in the in the restaurant industry, which is hard hit right now. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be doing some uh, educational beer videos for those guys. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and you can always follow me. Uh, I'm at Malty Rich, where you can find all my Crowler of the Day videos for nuggets of, of beer lore and wisdom while I pour a Crowler and drink Crowlers. And- I did. I did. I was watching your video on leaky, leaky Crowlers today. Ah, yeah. Leaky seams. It's not good. And uh, le- uh, sorry, was that it? Rich? That's it. Yeah. I was going to say, Larry, what's uh, what's what are you up to? You got any plugs? Uh, nothing. I got nothing. Nothing right now. Just just chilling during quarantine, y'all. Just chilling. <laughs> Stay safe. <laughs> you can go see. You can go see Larry uh, do an Elvis impersonation on season one of Big Little Lies. Yeah, that's that's out there. You, you definitely can go see Big Little Lies if you want to. You don't seem happy, and I pitch that. Uh, and uh, I'm Maddie Smith. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, mostly, I just like stupid memes and dog videos at, at Maddie Smith with two Fs because Smith is a very common name. Uh, and that's all for this week. Uh, until next, until next time. Happy beering. Happy beering, everyone. Happy, happy beering. Happy beering. <laughs> no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that every episode.